RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Closing the distance. My name is Jeff Myers. I'm here with Reverend Dr. Scott Weimer. Scott, great to see you. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good. So you're a lot of people don't know that you have other responsibilities than just being inside uh, the church. You're at a Columbia Seminary board meeting today, correct? Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been a great experience. The board is going through a, a lot of positive transition and exciting engagement for the future and. It's great because, you know, Roswell Presbyterian is in this plant time of strategic planning and seeing where that will go by God's grace. And so it's kind of a parallel track to what Roswell is doing. I love it. Absolutely. It's, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but Victor, the new president at Columbia Seminary, actually interviewed me for my admittance to Princeton Seminary, you know, 20 years ago. So it's a small world. Oh my gosh, it's so good to know that he interviewed you and let you in. I mean, that's I just amazing, Jeff. I know. He had a low bar. <laughs> Who could have known? Who could have known? So, Scott, well, we, we've, you know, you preached on, um, you know, steadfastness and, uh, you know, how God can sustain the weary soul. This past week, I preached a little bit on how to journey through grief. And, for a lot of folks, they want to ignore those topics unless they're in the midst of it, right? And so yeah. we had to kind of find a way to like include the folks that weren't grieving, but hopefully prepare them um, uh, for those times in life that bring weariness and grief. Uh, where do you find yourself right now? Well, I appreciate that question, Jeff. And first of all, uh, you Jeff introduced me. I'm Scott Weimer. I'm a part-time associate in the area of congregational care at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And I love being in Roswell Presbyterian Church. I love being part of the staff. I love having Jeff Myers as my boss. I'm glad he's in charge and I'm not, and he, because he's doing such a great job. And so uh, it's such an honor to be able to preach uh, last week at Roswell. It was the first time I'd preached the four services. And I got to tell you that I love that. I'm not sure everybody would love preaching four sermons in a row, but for me, it was just really wonderful. And by the fourth one, I thought, maybe I really do have something to say. And <laughs> it kind of came together in a special way for me. But yeah, so where am I? You're, you're asking me where I am in my journey of my own soul and yeah. grief process? Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, I so 
your opening words, Jeff, about uh, about grief, and if we're not in grief, we're preparing for it. I I actually believe we're all in grief, mm-hmm. and I believe we're all in need of healing and wholeness. I uh, my story, our story, is losing a son by suicide eight years ago, a son whom you knew well and you loved and. You love my son, James, too, and our whole family, my daughter, Kristen, and my wife, Cynthia. And, you know, to uh, after Justin died, people may not know, but I couldn't come back right away. And I think what I'm going to share with you right now, I I haven't shared before, although when you were preaching on on. preparing for grief, recovering from grief. I was in Columbia, South Carolina, preaching on a very similar topic. And so I want to hear what you had to say, too. So I, where I am, I I said at the time after Justin died, I tried to come back after about a month. It was a month, exactly, actually. Uh, And I tried to give a devotion and I wanted to moderate the session that night. And I don't know if you remember, we were in the sanctuary and so much was happening, you probably don't, but I tried to give a devotion and I couldn't get through it. And I was, I don't think I would be now, but then I was embarrassed by that. And I felt a little bit ashamed and I felt like, gosh, maybe I should be, not maybe, but I, I should be stronger. And so I remember with one of the elders that I love very much, uh, came by and it was I really believe Jeff it was hard for him to see me not doing okay and I think he didn't really know what to say but he put his, his hand on my shoulder and said you, be stronger Scott and and, uh, and I, I remember thinking gosh I uh, I maybe I should be stronger and I and what happened a few days after that is that I asked to meet with a few of the elders and, you know, being off a month in terms of grief recovery is, it's a great gift. I mean, very few people have that opportunity if in the working world and they get a, a week off or two weeks off and I'd already been away a month. And so I remember meeting with three elders and saying to them, I, I, I don't, I work for you. I work for the church. I've been away a month. I, I feel like I need to come back. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And, and, and they said to me, I, I don't know if they had planned this or not, but they said, we don't want you to come back until you're ready. And they said, they said, if you come back too soon, it's not good for you. But they also said, Jeff, that if you come back too soon, it's not good for the church because it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be good for the church if I came back too soon. And then they went on to say, and the truth is, Scott, that we're doing well. And people, they find joy in rising to the occasion to be supportive of you. You've loved the congregation. Let let the congregation, let the leaders love you back. And, And they went on to say, and by the way, you're our starting quarterback, but our second quarterback is awfully good. And the team is moving down the field and winning. And so, and that was you. And so I stayed away. They said, don't come back till you're ready. I, I couldn't come back until 
three months later, it was right before Christmas. And I, 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 they said to me also, come back, but you don't have to preach through the holidays. That would be very difficult. I want to say, Jeff, that that gift of grace and kindness mm. was, as I, as I think about it now, it was such an act of kindness. And I, I believe it reflects the kindness of God. Now, I, I realize that I'm very fortunate to have that much time, but to think that the, the church would allow that. And you know what happened, Jeff, when uh, now I see this clearly, that when we don't talk about our grief and we don't share what's happening in our life, we all have something that's weighing us down. And we think about it a lot and it affects our mental health. But so many of us will never talk about it because we're ashamed. Mm -hmm. And and we there's a stigma about mental health issues, about admitting that we're gosh, we're really not okay. Mm -hmm. And when we don't share, what happens, Jeff, is we rob one another of the gifts that we can give each other. So that if I come back too soon, I can't receive that gift that you're giving me. You're giving me the gift of saying, we got this. And that brings joy to you. And it's, I mean, it's so helpful to me. And, and so for all of us, when we don't share, about what we're going through. We're, we're robbing each other of this mutual support. And we also, when we share with each other, we also find out that so many people are struggling with some of the very same things or something similar. And, and when we begin to share with one another, we get this conversation, that we're sharing this conversation about one another's circumstances and, and what we have in common and what's a little different. And, and that changes the whole dynamic of the community it, it changes it you know i've heard you talk about is the is the church is it a hospital or is it a country club you know and it's a hospital we're all we're all struggling we're all spiritually struggling we're sick and we're hurting and that's what we're about so i'm all for being honest about about what we're going through we don't have to tell everything about our story but but to share some of what's of what's really happening within us, I think is so important and so healthy. Where I am now, I'm finding that when I can talk about these, about my own grief, when I can talk about my journey, mm -hmm. and I, I can talk about it at this point in my life, Jeff, with it, without it taking the air out of the room. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't have said what I did earlier, that we lost our son by suicide. I couldn't have said that. Uh, for quite a long time, actually, I just, I just I couldn't say the words. And so I, I can now. Where am I? I feel so I feel spiritually strong. I realize we'll never completely heal. None of us does. But I'm finding a strength. And, I, you know, some people have heard me say this, but I, I want to say it again for anybody who might be listening in and say it to you that I found a joy at Roswell Presbyterian Church within the presence of the staff in your presence, actually, and also primarily, and in the presence of the congregation, I found a joy that I didn't think I'd ever have again. Mm. So where am I right now? You know, we have some ups and downs for sure. Good days, bad days. But I feel I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that God is bringing healing to me. I'm grateful that people are willing to share their stories with me. And so I... I, I really believe I'm in a good place. And I believe God has given me now, giving me a voice to be able to share some of what I've just shared with you 
mm-hmm. with uh, communities and preaching and teaching. And what I'm finding is that people really do want to talk about what's happening. And mm-hmm. when they hear somebody, maybe especially a pastor, because we're supposed to have it together. Right. And when they realize that we're no different, and I, I think it's really helpful. So thanks for asking me. Absolutely, Scott. Well, I thank you so much. I think when you said that, um, you know, uh, what joy you've rediscovered here at RPC to the staff at the staff retreat yesterday, I think it just really blessed the staff, your vulnerability, but also that that's what we're here for. We want to serve alongside and encourage each other. And this should be joyful ministry. Admit the tough stuff and the lows of life that we're going to, we're going to experience. One of the things I'm curious to get your perspective on is I've heard like, you know, the stages of grief. And one of the things, you know, I, I've often meet people that loses a spouse that, you know, um, and that's sad about it. Um, uh, you know, there's, you know, so well, the loss of a job, there's illness, all these things that can go wrong and we experience grief. And some people yes. feel guilty for not bouncing back faster or, or being, having sustained grief. And I, I, I try to encourage people like you have to, you have to go through the journey yourself. Everybody's a little different. But if you had to say there were some stages that that you have to go through um, of grief, what would you say those are? Well, yeah, I appreciate you asking me about that. And I, I, I believe that we're in a time when the questions that you and I are asking one another and that we're discussing it's a critical time in the history of, uh, I think it's in the history of humanity in a way. Uh, we, I don't think we were really made to, to, to be able to process all the stimuli, stimuli that, that we're receiving. Our brains haven't, we don't know, we can't, our brains haven't caught up with where we are. And it, they weren't made, in my opinion, to, to receive this much stimulus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that this issue of of anxiety and stress and grief is compounded mm-hmm. by the world that we live in now. And I do believe that there's a point where we have to accept some responsibility for how we're going to live in a in a healthy way, it, both in body, mind and spirit in a spiritually healthy way. How do we do this? And we're on that journey together. I don't have all those answers, but the reason I'm saying that I think that you preached on what you preached on yesterday, I preached what I preached on in Columbia, South Carolina, at this board retreat at Columbia Seminary, I wasn't here, but it started with everyone sharing their timeline in their lives of pain and heartache and grief. Mm -hmm. And then around tables, people shared those timelines with one another. And I thought, that's a really great way to do it. And... Of course, there's no pressure to share, but but to actually be able to say this is important. These moments in time when we experience such traumatic loss, there's, there, there must be grief to move through that. And what I sometimes say, Jeff, is that I think we all know people who've gone through something traumatic and they've never they've never been able to recover. And I say this very with a lot of uh, sensitivity and I want to not be misunderstood because uh, as you said, I don't think we all grieve in different ways. We heal in different ways. We process in different ways. 
And I try to never touch anyone's grief. And but what we get concerned about is when over time a person can't get over their grief and they they get stuck. And we've been around people like that, most of us, and it's so painful and it does suck the life out of the room. And so I I had to say to myself along the way, I don't want that to happen. Mm. Because I I the, the pain was so great that I I could understand why someone could be forever destroyed by that emotionally, spiritually. We know that in statistics, when you lose a child, many marriages, I don't know exactly what those statistics are. I've often heard it's over half the marriages, pretty high percentage of, of marriages don't make it. And I can see why, I, I really get that. So in coming back from our grief, I, we got to, a, I think the turning point in, in my grieving personally was one night when our daughter, Kristen, we were all, James was at our home, our son, who's 34 now, and Kristen, who's 40, she was at our house. This was eight years ago, and Cynthia and I were there, and we, we hadn't really been moving forward very much. I, I hadn't been able to read my Bible. I hadn't been able to pray very much. Other people told me they were praying for me. Other people told me they were reading their Bible for me. I mean, what a gift that was to me. It was such a grace. Like, yeah. I didn't feel as guilty about not being able to read the Bible. I have people saying, we're reading the Bible for you. And, and we're, we're, um, and we're, and we're praying for, we're praying not just for me, but because I can't pray, they're praying prayers that I would want to pray. And it was so powerful to me. The turning point came one night when we were together and, and the four of us and Kristen, she's not usually the one to initiate uh, the let's all pray together. But that night she did. And so I, I really couldn't pray. She prayed. Wow. And it was a simple prayer of gratitude for all that we have, mm. that we have enough food to eat, that we have a place where we're sleeping tonight, that we have friends who love us. We have family, extended family who love us and care for us. And, and she prayed a prayer of gratitude for Justin's life. That prayer was like a, a catalytic moment that unlocked something in me. Hmm. And when I could begin to thank God from a genuine place for the 22 years we've had with Justin, instead of being consumed by what we'll never experience with Justin, it was a moment of, it was a turning point. It was such an important moment. I couldn't make that moment happen. Right. I couldn't will myself to that moment, no. but I, but I had an openness that wanting to get there and there's always grace around us in, in our faith. We know the enormity of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that, that in Christ, we can and will find healing. And I'll tell you, Jeff, the, the theologically, what I held on to, and people, I hope they can understand what I'm saying. But when we say the Apostles' Creed, and I know we say different creeds that express who we are, the Apostles' Creed has that phrase in it where he descended into hell in reference to Jesus descending into hell. Yeah, That phrase... I held on to it 
that phrase is what helped me. It's very strange to think about that. No one's ever told me that before. But for me to know, I couldn't feel God, but I knew God was there. Because I really believe what we affirm together when we say that phrase. And we believe in our theological tradition that it comes from that moment on the cross when Jesus, well, God, why have you forsaken me? My father, why have you forsaken me? And if hell is separation from God, what I believe that's the most fundamental definition of hell is being separated from God. Then God knows what that is, his own son. And, uh, and, and he defeated it in the resurrection, but not until the Jesus said to hell. And he stayed there for a while. And so it's some theological, some communities of faith admit that. They don't say it in the Apostles' Creed. Right. And they don't quite, they, they're not sure about the theology. I think it's, for me, it's now become one of the most powerful of the phrases because you can't have resurrection that changes us and transforms us and changes the world without the death and without without the despair of it. And Jesus himself, you know, that shortest verse of the Bible in the face of the death of Lazarus, his friend, Jesus wept. Why? He's God. He's going to raise Lazarus. Not forever, but he's going to raise him from the dead. Right. And, you know, I... All of that's there, I believe, because it shows us that, you know, Jesus is fully God and fully human. We can't explain really what all that means. But here we know that at least it means that Jesus knew genuine love of, of a friend and the grief of losing that friend and gives us so much permission. Jesus was grieving. Yeah, I love that. Well, you spoke about this. Okay, so I don't, you're in charge, but can I bounce it back at you and how you talked about recovering from grief yesterday? Well, I actually focused in on that passage, the Lazarus passage. um, And, you know, that I think the the fact that Jesus wept on on the edge of, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead permits us and invites us to grieve. Um, You know, doesn't put on a, a bull, a strong face or act like he's got it all together. But, um, you know, you can deep, you can enter into your deep grief and, and, and show it. And that's OK. And I think that and that actually is showing God's power in a way that is more powerful than just holding it all together and actually denying that it's there or trying to avoid it or distract yourself from it. Um, See, so yeah, that's that's it's funny you mentioned it because you weren't here, but that's exactly the passage I zeroed in on um, because I think it's such a profound one. Wow. What oh, I do Scott, too. And say a word about this nonprofit you're starting. Because we got to wrap up. Yeah, here. so we, we created I a, want to hear about it. Yeah, thank you for asking, Jeff. Yeah. So we, we started a nonprofit. It's been established for uh, ever since Justin died, eight years. And it's called the uh, Justin L. Weimer Everything's a Win Foundation. One of Justin's phrases that he used all the time with his friends was, remember, everything's a win. It's a shortened version of the verse in Romans 8. Many people know that verse 28. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. Everything's a win is how Justin interpreted that. He lived by that. And so it's the Justin L. Weimer Everything's a Win Foundation. 
The purpose of it is to help eliminate the stigma, shame, and silence around mental health. By doing what we're doing right now, Jeff, which is telling purposeful stories that model moving beyond the stigma, shame, and silence, we have to see that modeled and offer a language for how can we talk about these traumatic losses that we have in our life, the grief that we carry, what are ways we can talk about it? So we're offering that language. And then we try to create safe spaces, Jeff, where right. people can tell their own story. So that's what we're doing. And I'm, I'm trying to get the, uh, the infrastructure up. Everybody I've known said, Weimer, you don't build infrastructure, man. You could probably do it, but it'd take you the rest of your life. And other people could do it like 30 minutes. So one prayer is that, that in this year, first half of the year, I, I can get our website up. Okay. Uh-oh, I just lost Scott Weimer. Scott, are you coming back? Well, I'm here, baby. Okay, I lost your visual. Um, so you're 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 going to get a website up this yeah. first half well, of the year. I think that was to stop now. Yeah, that's a sign. We need to call it a close to closing the distance. We'll get to talk to Scott later. Um, do check out uh, his ministry. You can email him at scott at roswellpress.org. Especially if you're going through struggles of grief or mental health issues, you, someone you love, reach out to Scott and his powerful ministry. Until then, I'll see you later, Scott. Thank you for closing the distance.